Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAs. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions, uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming your weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about RHA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA or you've got a few recovery periods, we have your back and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show hey guys welcome back to the channel today i am answering a question about hunger cues and extreme hunger at normal body weights during ha and some other questions coming right up so let's start with caitlin so she asks can extreme hunger happen during ha recovery even if you were never underweight and never had the A word. Lowest I was, was 
50 kilos. Now I'm up to 55.7 kilos, still no period. I try to eat a normal breakfast, lunch and dinner, but I don't feel satisfied after meals and I eat a lot of snacks. Could this be happening because I might not have reached my set point weight? Or could this all just be emotional eating? I worry that all of this won't ever end and I just want to eat normally and intuitively and have my period. I hope my question makes sense. Thanks for your time. Good question, Kaylin. Um, a couple things happening. Absolutely. I don't know how tall you are, but like absolutely you could um, just still need more food. If you had HA for a really long time, regardless of whether or not you had an ED or something, um, coming back into a place of replenishment is a big ask. Like, so the, the hunger could be pushing for calories, can be pushing for safety, can be trying to push your body weight up. If you don't have enough body fat, you can't produce certain sex hormones. So there's all kinds of possible agendas that your body has behind making you pursue this goal. Trust in it. Don't be afraid of it. Enjoy it because it won't be forever. I don't know how long this has been going on for you. Um, I think you're just going to need to trust in it. And I think you know if it's because you're, um, what, what did you say here? emotional eating you feeling a lot of emotions i mean i don't know it's hard it's hard for me to know but in the context of recovery um depending on how long you've been going through it how tall you are versus your weight like if you are only if you're between five foot three and above then you are probably still too small you know so definitely matters Feel free to provide more context and I can answer more in more detail. Okay, next question. Mary. Hi, Danny. I'm sorry for my long text, but I'm really hoping you can give me your advice. I am 33 and I'm trying to conceive. I have a long history of disordered eating habits and I also experienced HA during my teenage years. I'm not sure how long I had it, because I went on the pill and stayed on it for approximately 10 years. After coming off the pill two years ago, my period returned after three months, but was light. It was three days and I only had one day with actual blood flow. My last few cycles also started with spotting five days before my actual period came. Thanks to your channel, I realized that my weird periods might be due to my eating habits. I've always been restricting food one way or the other, I was also vegan for five years, but not anymore. So I started implementing changes like having breakfast and eating and resting more. I also started to track my BBT. I was able to confirm ovulation on day 13. However, my temps are on the lower side, um, averaging 36.2 pre-ovulatory and 32.7 post-ovulatory, I think. So not due to user error. I think that you might mean like 37.2 post-ovulatory. If you were 32.7, I'd be checking if you were alive. Okay. Uh, and I'm sure I'm doing it correctly. I'm now on day 10 of my luteal phase, but noticed some spotting today. My question is this. How long after implementing these lifestyle changes can I expect my temperatures to rise to normal levels? 
and is pregnancy even possible with low temps? After all, ovulation was confirmed. I am uncertain if I should wait for my temperatures to rise before trying to concede, conceive, but I also don't want to waste time. What do you think? For your reference, I am 153 centimeters tall at 50 kilos. You guys know I love height weights. I just love height weights because it just like puts you in the room with me. Face to face, here's what I'm looking at. Thank you so much for your wonderful videos. I'm addicted. Oh, much love from Sydney in DY. Okay, I was not from DY. I am from Sydney. I is from, um, or I am from the Illawarra area, specifically Peakhurst. I grew up in Peakhurst. So if anyone out here is listening from the Hurstville area, hit me up. So, okay, Mary. This is a good question. And these are the types of questions that we answer in our menstrual cycle masterminds inside of the HA Society every week. This is just like such a common one. And in truth, like right, even just this week, I've been looking at some clients where I'm like, mm, it is taking an annoying amount of time for your changes to impact your temperatures. But everyone's a little different and it's a bell curve. But where most people land in the middle of the bell curve is you should see improvements in your temperatures very, very quickly within a matter of weeks. When we start someone on a protocol, we collect their tracking information for the first two weeks to then make our decision whether or not we're going to adjust the plan, yes or no. For you, um, I, you know, I probably want to be seeing an improvement within four to six weeks with all of the changes you've been making. If you don't, um, you know, that's a sign to us that there are other changes or some of the changes we're making need to be done harder. So I hope that that helps answer that question. Um, your, you know, height to weight ratio is small, but you're not necessarily uh, like obviously underweight or anything like that. But, you know, you could be a little bit smaller than necessary for really strong, solid, healthy cycles. Yes, it is possible to get pregnant for, for people to get pregnant on lower temperatures. After all, ovulation happened. You don't have to have an optimal cycle to get pregnant. It just really helps. Um, but if someone like one of our clients isn't getting pregnant, we're gonna look at that as a possible factor. They have low temperatures and they do get pregnant. Okay. Um, you know, their thyroid might be working really hard throughout the process. It's not necessarily um, a neutral fact. If you get pregnant before your body is ready, um, that's a huge taxer on your body. And a lot of women end up going on thyroid medication during pregnancy. Low basal body temperatures are a sign of a few things. Thyroid function being one of them low thyroid function being one of them. So that's one benefit to making sure that your temperatures improve, but you could also get lab work just to back it up and have a look. Um, so there's that. I hope that this helps. I mean, you're on day 10 of your luteal phase. Sounds like um, it was almost spotting. You sent me this exactly a month ago to the day I'm recording. So you should be expecting your second period pretty soon. So I would love to hear an update from you. And we will chat soon, Mary, okay? Love this. I'm gonna email you directly because I wanna know what happened. Okay. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? 
I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating of course with this system so lots of information lots of case studies lots of stats we go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Um, I have quite a lot of questions from you, Alexis, but you happened to book in with me um, for a call when we meet tomorrow at the time of recording this, but I'm going to answer this anyways. Alexis asks, for recovery, should we be swapping out the leanest meats with fattier ones? All of the fitness diet girlies really beat it into your head, the leaner the better. Is the opposite true for HA? Yes. And so Alexis, I know I'm meeting with you tomorrow. You booked a call with us and um, you actually had a really high fat diet food log. I love that I have this information about you. Um, but animal protein, I felt like there were some areas where like you do eat eggs and sausages and things. There was like, there's some areas where I bet you your animal fat intake could come up. 100%. It's one of our go-to things is to make that swap. And that's an exact swap that I had to make for my recovery as well. Oh, let's do one more. Nufixid asks, can I body weight train three times a week and eat like a lot, like bulking and get my period back? Answer, maybe, absolutely that's happened for some people, but I don't recommend it because you keep yourself stuck being like, 
this is gonna work. I'm just gonna give it two more weeks. I'm just gonna give it two more weeks. I'm just gonna give it another three weeks. Like, this will work. And if you're going to take that approach, just give yourself a timeline to check in and be like, am I being realistic? And track your temperatures, track your mucus, track progress that you're moving in the right direction. Otherwise, you have absolutely no idea of what you're doing is serving you or not. Okay. I'm gonna come back to that one. Iona asks, I want to become pregnant very soon. Is it too, however, is it too much to go light walking under 10K steps daily? It distresses me very much and clears my mind. It just all depends on the context. If everything else is in check, there's a possibility that you could take a five, like that you could be doing 5,000 steps totally fine. Step counts are somewhat arbitrary, but in general, we like to see our clients falling under 10K steps, mostly because we know it means they're not doing neurotic walking. If you're tracking your steps to try to get to like 9K steps, you're like, oh, Danny said I can do under 10K steps, so I'm gonna do like 9,500. That's a problem. Ooh, let's do one more, because I'm just blasting through these. Um, ooh, Caitlin again. I feel like I already answered your question last week, but he's another one. I am 18. I have not had regular periods for three years. I started counting calories, 16 to 1700 per day and exercising in 2020. And almost immediately after I lost it. Throughout those three years, at some points, I started eating more and not exercising and I got it back. But then I restricted again and I lost it. However, last year, I decided to lose weight again. I got to the lowest I've ever been, 50 kilos. Now I think I'm weight restored, I'm 58. That's the highest I know I've ever been. And I have been eating a lot, but my period hasn't come back. I don't know what to do. So I think I talked about this earlier. And if I didn't, it was in last week's episode. <laughs> If you come out and in and out and in and out and in and out and in of recovery all the time, you're changing your body's adaptation response and you cannot guarantee that you can just come up on out when you feel like it. You know, following the same method. This is a lifestyle choice. This is going forward. Recovery is going forward. Recovery isn't when it suits you. So it's not necessarily going to be as easy this time as the other time. You now need to rebuild that trust with your body that the food is coming and the food is consistent because it says, Kaylin brings me in and out of the deficit all the time. We're obviously not safe. Food is obviously not in abundance to us. It comes and goes. We're experiencing the potato famine twice a year. It's gonna buckle down. It's gonna choose a dig in it's digging in and you're going to have to give it more in order to recover. <sighs> okay. And then, ooh, Kate, 
Caitlin. I have a question about the PCOS versus HA thing. I have all the symptoms of HA. Happened when I was restricting calories, over-exercising, underweight, etc. And my blood work looks like HA. I haven't had a period in almost two years, but I do have weird hair growth, coarse hair under the chin, chest, belly button, and excess hair on arms. I had my testosterone checked though, and it's on the higher end of normal at 70.7, but still within normal range. I also had it checked in the morning, so I don't know if that has something to do with it too. And my LH is pretty low, but my FSH is higher than LH at 5.4. Um, 04, but FSH was tested around a year ago. Okay, so if the LH and the FSH weren't tested at the same time, it's not useful, but if they are, oh, that's better. That's really the only sign of PCOS that I have. My glucose is also normal. I do have some acne, but nothing crazy. I do have, I've had no other androgens tested, but I'm looking into getting those checked as well. Yeah, absolutely go get that checked. It's 100% possible to have HA and PCOS at the same time, and it's almost never going to show up on your lab work if you have HA because the HA is suppressing everything. So more commonly, the HA is going to suppress PCOS into almost normal lab levels. Your LH to FSH ratio, the ratio of your FSH being higher than your LH, um, it doesn't fully make sense for you because your numbers as well are so low. So they're, they're more HA. Um, LH being 5.04, sorry, LH being 0.67 and FSH being 5.04, that says more HA for sure. So like you're, you're on the right track. He, while those symptoms suck, I wouldn't worry about it, Caitlin, till you've resolved the HA. You ha if you have it, you have both because you haven't had a period in two years and these are your lab numbers. So resolve the HA and then when you can, like when you, when and if you get the PCOS even come once you resolve the HA, then you can cross that bridge. And that's the only way about it in my personal opinion. Okay, I hope that this was helpful guys. If you have a question you wanna to submit to the show, please do either by the comments below Send me an email, danny at thehasociety.com. I love it. If you like this video, please like and subscribe. If you're listening on the YouTube, go to the podcast. If you're listening on the podcast, come to the YouTube. There's stuff on both channels that you don't have on each other. And I just want to like, I just like want you guys to be here on all of the platforms. So we'll see you next week. And I hope you have a great day. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about TempDrop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. 
And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period, and if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle's not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop And we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHASociety. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and and use um, AFHASociety at the checkout, That will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is of course dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general get your husbands on it get your partners on it if you have a history of HA and add on top of that maybe a history of the pill maybe you've been pregnant before you know through treatments or other like you've just your body's been through anything you know you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my 
favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient rich source of beef liver get 10% off your order with the HA society and support your favorite podcast along the way they ship to most countries so you should be covered just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA society just HA society at the checkout for the 10% off that's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA society Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.